Well, good morning, all shores. So glad you're here with us today to worship together. And, you know, David writes in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I don't know how you're walking in today, but I do know one thing, that God is here, that he wants to meet with us today. And that for each of us, no matter what we bring, God accepts us for who we are. He accepts, he welcomes us into his presence. And so my encouragement to you today, whether it's through the worship, the words that we share, whatever, is that you just fully engage with what God has for us. You know, and one helpful image I think that I've held on to the last couple of weeks, something I ask myself when I'm worshiping the Lord is, you know, what would I do if Jesus was standing right in front of me? How would I respond? You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can find myself in a place where I'm more reserved or I'm holding back just because I'm conscious of what others are, you know, seeing me do or I'm worried that somebody's going to think I look stupid or like a fool. But the truth is, man, if Jesus was right in front of me, I would be all in. But the truth is, church, Jesus is here. That even though we can't see him, that God is present in this room that he's with us today and he wants to meet with us. So my challenge is in some way today, just let your reservation go and just engage with God because he wants to meet with you. And if you're in a place where you're feeling down or discouraged, I just pray that you sense God's love for you today because you are his kid and he loves you very much. Why don't we stand and we worship together this morning and just invite God to meet us here. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. You can have it all. Every part of my world Take this life and breathe This heart that is
church, sing it out. Continue our worship to him this morning.
I believe surrender to be just when we can be open and vulnerable to our Lord. That God doesn't expect our perfection or us having it all figured out. He just expects our hearts. He just wants us to give ourselves to him fully. And that's our good parts and that's our bad parts. But to offer them up to the Lord and to just be willing to let him take us and love us for who we are as his kids. It's life-changing. It's transformational. I don't know where you are today may be really pumped to be here. You may be in a place where you're just dealing with some tough stuff right now. It's a tough season. We're going to take time in service to pray. And if you're finding yourself right now in a place of just need, something you're praying for or whatever, I invite you to take a seat. We're also blessed to have some of our global partners with us today from the Czech Republic, the McFrederick family. Are, are you guys in the house? Right there, Jason and Carenza. So they're visiting us from Czech Republic and they are... Uh, they are area directors for Europe, and so it's just a blessing to have you guys in the house with us. I asked them earlier today, how can we specifically pray for you guys today? And one thing they just brought up is just that God would, first of all, just continue to move in Europe. That, you know, Europe is a country that's very, or a continent that's very secular. So they're just doing a lot of good things for the kingdom of God in that continent. But the, the second thing is uh, that God would raise up new workers for the harvest field, so to speak, that God would raise up young people, you know, and families to be called to go into that mission field, that the harvest is plentiful and ripe, but the laborers are few. That's what it says in scripture. So anyway, we're gonna just lift them up in prayer today too. And there'll be time later on, uh, dad's gonna share some other things, I'm sure. And they'll be out in the lobby to connect. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll uh, go from there. God, we give you thanks that we get to be in this place today, that we get to gather together to worship your holy name. And Lord, you know, for each one of us, the things that we come in this place with, our celebrations, our joys, and our struggles, and our griefs. But God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would meet us in power today, that we would sense, first of all, your love for us as your kids, but second of all, God, your presence, that your tangible presence would be felt in this place. And God, for those who are in a place of struggle, I just pray, Holy Spirit, minister to each of us as we need. God, also, we are so grateful uh, for all of our global partners and for Jason and Carenza. God, so glad that they're here with us today. I pray blessings, first of all, just over their fruits and their labor. God, what they've been doing to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I also pray, God, for Europe, for the Czech Republic and the other countries surrounding God, that you would continue to move through your Holy Spirit. But God, that you would also raise up people who feel called 
called to continue the work of the ministry. God, that, that we would see people come to know Jesus Christ personally through the work that's being done there. We give you thanks, God, that you are living and active in our lives, and we just continue to offer ourselves up to you today. Meet with us. We pray over Thad as he prepares to share the word. God, we give you thanks for all that you're going to do. Be with us now as we continue in this service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and find your seat. Good morning. My name is Amy Sheridan. I'm going to invite the families who are dedicating kids to come on up to the stage and join me. And um, as they come, would you just give them a big round of applause? Uh, we have the Bissell family coming with Sullivan and Adeline today that are being dedicated. And we also have coming the Seaver family. We'll be dedicating Jack, who is very little. We're so excited to see him here with us in the church family. Um, as they're coming to stage, yeah, a big round of applause for the Seaver family too. So good to have you with us this morning. As they're coming to stage, we're reminded that God creates each one of us that each one of us is his masterpiece. His word says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, God. I know that full well. This act of dedication, we read about a couple times in the Bible. One, Hannah is longing for a son, and she cries out to the Lord, and he gives her her son, and she dedicates Samuel in the temple to God. We also read about it when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, and it says in Luke 2, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Mary and Joseph offered two pigeons as a sacrifice because God had said to his people in Leviticus 17.11, for the life of a creature is in the blood. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Now today, we get to come to dedicate these children in the perfect sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave in atonement for our sins. We believe this act of dedication is both giving your child fully to God and also dedicating yourself to live a surrendered and a binding life in Christ. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, and if you agree with these statements, you're going to say, yes, I will, okay? Are you dedicating your life to surrender to Jesus' love, his forgiveness, his grace, and live out an active faith pursuing a relationship with Christ? If so, say, yes, we will. And secondly, your marriage is where you get to live out the gospel of God's love, his unconditional love that he gives us. Um, and this testifies to the pursuit of Jesus Christ to be close and have intimacy with us. So do you commit to love your spouse with the love of Christ and grow together in Christ and be one, tethered together in him? If so, say, yes, I will. Do you dedicate yourself then to train your children by teaching them to obey God's commandments and to abide with Christ, teaching them how to spend time in prayer, in worship, in stillness, and in his word? If so, say, yes, I will. And then do you dedicate your child to the Lord, laying down your own desires for them and trusting that God loves them even more than you do? And will you commit their ways to the Lord? knowing he will help you guide them to discover the plans he has for their future 
and the good works and purpose he has already laid out for their good, that his kingdom will come and, and his will will be done in their life. If so, say, yes, I will. The beauty is as parents that your faith and abiding gives you spiritual authority in Christ over your kids. It sanctifies your family. We read in Corinthians, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. We believe this dedication to the Lord covers a child until they can confess Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior. But also, you're part of a greater family. We know in heaven there's no marriage or or family units, but we are all one family in Christ. So we live as that today, as a family, and we're committed to also help you train up and teach your children to pray over them and support them. And um, we ask if you are committed to partner with us. So do you commit yourself to partner with the church in raising your child to love God with all their heart, their mind, and their soul, to serve God and share the good news with others? If so, say, yes, I will. God says the kingdom, let's see, spiritual family, I have a question for you now. As their family, will you commit to partner with these families? Will you commit to also train up and teach these children to pray over them, to support these couples in their marriage as they grow in their faith? If so, will you all say, yes, I will. Yes, I will. God says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We believe there's no junior Holy Spirit. These kids will get spiritual gifts from God as they grow in their faith. They will teach us. They will lead us and shepherd us. Um, so are we willing to encourage these spiritual gifts as they lead us in worship and, and teach us as they grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord? If so, say, yes, we will. Now we're going to get to play a blessing over each and every one. If you would head down to the front, and those who came with you, if you would come on up and gather in a circle around them, we're going to get to pray a blessing over each and every one. As they head down and these families that are with them come up to stand and support with them, um, I just want to remind us, you know, we are all start off dead in our original sin. When we accept Jesus Christ as the perfect blood sacrifice that he came on the cross, he cleansed us and he makes us alive. He redeems us fully. We read in Deuteronomy that the curse of a person's sin is passed on to the third and the fourth generation. So today we come to claim that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross covers and breaks that curse of sin. So as parents have committed to their, their child to the Lord today, will you stand, church body? Will you stretch out your hands as we pray a blessing and protection over each and every one? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, merciful God, we ask that you cancel and break all curses, vows, and dedications, and bloodline punishments on the father's and mother's side going back to all generations and forward by the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. Show your mercy and your love to a thousand generations forward, to those who love you and those you have redeemed. God, today we dedicate... Sullivan Bissell, we dedicate him to the Lord. We pray a blessing and a protection over him. God, may his daily prayer be one of dependence and surrender, claiming your joy and sustaining grace. May he pray every day, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, God, the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We also pray over his sister, Adeline. God, we dedicate Adeline to the Lord, and we pray your blessing and your protection over her. 
May the God of hope fill you, Adeline, with all the joy and the peace of Christ as you trust in him so that you can overflow with the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we dedicate Jack to you today, Jack Seaver. God, we pray your blessing and your protection over him. We pray Colossians 1, 9 through 14 over Jack going this from this day forward. God, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord. You can please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to Jesus' glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into his kingdom, the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. God, we pray spiritual protection and blessing over each family. God, may you go with them. May you take um, them by the hand and guide them as their um, leader. And God, may you comfort them in all the seasons of parenting and remind them that they have within them the, the ability to depend fully on you and to pray and ask for your filling of the Holy Spirit each day as they lead and guide these kids to be the next generation, God, of disciples. Um, we thank you for this time that we could share in this dedication in your holy name. Amen. Would you just pray, oh, uh, give this, these groups a big round of applause for coming today. And they can head back to their seats. And I do, I encourage you as the church body, you can have a seat, to continue to lift them up in prayer. so great to see these families and all the families and friends that came to love and support them and yeah it's just so exciting and just as amy said this is all of our responsibility to be praying for these kids to be praying for these families and to continue to be a community that that really supports each other well i just want to welcome you to all shore so glad that you are with us this morning whether you are joining us online from some really fun place or right here in the room we're just glad that you're here and i'm just praying that you really experience god's presence in a, in a really powerful and real way today you know we would love to to meet you connect with you especially if you are new the best way that we have is our connection card, and that is a QR code that's right in front of you. You can pull out your phone and open that up at any time and just point it at that QR code, and our connection card will come up. You know, we can get to know who you are. You can put prayer requests on there, but we'd also love to meet you in person, particularly if you're new, and we have a, a connection point in the very back of the room, and I'll be there after the service, and we have a great set of volunteers, and we can answer any questions and kind of help you take steps in your faith as well, so take advantage of that opportunity this morning. You know, we're going to continue this morning in worship just by receiving God's tithes and our offerings. It, it really is a way that we worship, that we give back just a little bit, a portion of what God has given to us, how he has blessed us so we can participate and build his kingdom, his church, in, right here in Spring Lake, in our communities, around the world, and throughout that country, um, just by giving back a portion of what he has given to us. When you are generous, it allows us to be a generous church and build his kingdom that way. So thank you for being a generous people. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had baptism. We celebrated by baptizing over 25 people. And, I, you know, every time I watch baptism, it reminds me of my own baptism. And I remember sitting in church for a year, hearing about baptism, and just literally holding onto the seat in front of me, knowing it was the next step that God was calling me to. But just 
not wanting to take that step. You know, we're going to have baptism again in a couple weeks. And if if that's you, if you're like me, and you've been sitting there and you've held God tugging at your heart, I just want to encourage you to take that step. You can go to allshores.org slash baptism. Talk to me or one of our pastors. We would love to help you take that step if that's the next best step for you. We've got a great video that shows a recap of that and for information about what's going on if you turn your attention to the screen.
Well, if you're confused by that video, just want to let you know that we are in a series called Keeping Up or Keeping Up With. And that is a part of our culture. And so for the next several weeks, we started last week and Evan preached on, on surrender. And we'll be getting into that a little bit more today. But just what, what that idea in our culture of keeping up with and the influence of wealth of having or not having and how that affects us spiritually. So uh, that's, that's a part of the intro. Um, but we believe that uh, the Holy Spirit's here. And we're going to get into Luke chapter 12 this morning. And as we do, we just believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And whether you're watching online, I want to welcome those of you who are watching online, or those of you who are here in Spring Lake, we just believe that His Spirit has something for each of us today. So we're just going to pause in a moment of silence and just to ask God to prepare our hearts and minds to hear from Him today. Let's pray. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. And Lord, your word was brought to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that same Spirit is with us today and can bring to life these words. And so I pray that, uh, that you would allow the Spirit to speak, that we would hear the whisper, the shout, whatever is from God today. It might be a word, it might be a thought, but Lord, we would know that it's from you. And if there's anything that's of me today, I pray that it would just fall to the ground and be forgotten. But what you have for us, Lord, that it would stick, that it would change us, that we might be more like Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, it's back to school season. I know we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. I had to leave early a few days coming into the office this week because, you know, I don't want to get stuck behind those uh, buses. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. And it doesn't help that the traffic here and the uh, Tri-Cities is uh, a little bit backed up as well. So anyway, I'm leaving a little bit early. But it reminded me with being back to school of my school days. And I remember going into sixth grade, which if you were to ask me, what year in your life would you like to just forget and get rid of, it would be sixth grade. So those of you who are in sixth grade, we're praying for you. Um, no, it was just rough for me at the time. But I remember part of that was elementary school, you had one teacher, right? And you might have different courses, but going into uh, middle school for me, junior high, uh, you, you would go to all these different teachers and different classes, and you had to remember what locker to go to and which hallway and all that. And that was stressing me out. But there was something that I saw advertised that I knew would solve my problems. I knew if I just had this, it was going to help me in school. The Trapper Keeper. Yeah. How many of you had Trapper Keepers? Come on. If you are under the age of 30, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Because this is when we used actual paper and not iPads. And we had number two pencils. And we had pencil bags and protractors and all kinds of things that you had to keep together. And the Trapper Keeper was the answer to all of my problems because inside there were separate file folders for each class. And those of you who are organizers, you're like, oh, I love this. <laughs> and there was a, a bag that you could clip in. It had through three holes for the three-ring binder. And I, you probably can't see it, but there's like a see-through yellow a ruler here that you could have. And so the idea was your whole world was organized. 
But I quickly found that you kind of have to be organized to use an organizer. Is anybody with me? <laughs> you have to take that sheet of paper. You have to put it in the correct folder and not just wad it up and throw it in the backpack. You have to take the number two pencil and put it in the bag so you don't forget it. And, uh, yeah, I quickly found that having the trapper keeper, uh, it didn't make me any gooder at English. So... <laughs> You guys got that first hour right over their heads. I appreciate that. Thank you. But have you ever hoped that something that you possessed was going to solve your problems for you? I I know you've got something that you thought, oh, if I just had that, that would fix it. If, If I had new golf clubs, I wouldn't slice anymore. If I had a new car, I'd never have mechanical problems again. Maybe it's the new house. You're tired of making all the repairs. If we just had a newer house, we wouldn't have to repair anything. Maybe it's the phone, right? If I just had that new phone with all the new gadgets, the new, right? How's that Nextel walkie-talkie working for you? (laughs) We always have something that we think is going to solve those problems for us. And sometimes we come to a quick realization that it's not what we possess that makes the difference, right? And for some of you, it might be that future IRA. It might be as you're stretching towards retirement and having all those plans together. Or it could be, for some of you, man, if I just had that inheritance, it would fix all my debt. And that was the assumption of a young man who approached Jesus, hoping that Jesus could do something about that. And so in Luke chapter 12, there's a conversation that goes on between Jesus and and an individual and a group of people who had gathered to hear Jesus teach on the kingdom. And this was common for Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus is walking from town to town, village to village, and he's introducing people to the kingdom of God. He's teaching about what God has to say Uh, to us, how we understand God, how we should live out our lives. And so Jesus is having this teachable moment and people are crowding around and individuals are pushing their way forward just to hear a little bit better. But this man pushes his way forward, not to hear, but to ask. He has an agenda and he thinks Jesus is going to do something about it. Luke chapter 12 is where we start, beginning with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Here's this man who comes close enough to Jesus to stop his teaching, interrupt him, and say, Hey, teacher, rabbi, which rabbis were the spiritual teachers, they were the leaders spiritually in the community, and he, he went to Jesus because he thought he could do something about his issue. And the issue was that he had received or that there was this inheritance. Someone had passed away. Likely his father had passed away. And he calls to Jesus and says, can can you fix this for me? I want you to tell my brother to give me what I am owed. And this would have been common, perhaps, in that day. Inheritances were given to the oldest brother, right? The oldest son. But yet in the Jewish community and and in some cultures, this is true, that oftentimes families live together. So if you received an inheritance, it was shared amongst everyone because you all lived together. 
You all lived uh, in proximity and shared your resources together. And this, this, this would be true uh, in other cultures. When I travel, we see this where families live together and uh, everything is shared and it keeps the cost lower and you're there to help one another. It's a problem that our refugee ministry faces when we have refugees coming from other countries moving to our area because oftentimes if there are families that are coming over because of the certain laws and the reasons uh, in the United States, they separate those families at least until they become citizens and then they can decide what to do what they want. But because of financial aid and other issues and other legalities, they have to live separately and it creates problems for cultures who live together. This man didn't want to be together. He wanted what was owed to him. This was about what he wanted. And he thought, if I can just get to Jesus, maybe Jesus can change this for me and my inheritance can fix my problem. Jesus, however, says, man, and I love this. <laughs> I think the New Testament gets it right. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? See, it was common for rabbis to be appointed by the community to solve issues of inheritance, situations like this. So that, that was common. But it was a group of rabbis. It was individuals that were appointed to solve the problem. Jesus here says, look, I was not chosen a judge or an arbiter. I'm not dividing this. I am not making this decision I was not involved in this, and you're not going to involve me in this. Interesting. Some scholars believe that, uh, that this is a teachable moment for Jesus, that part of this issue is that kind of separation between that which is the kingdom and that which is of the world. This is a worldly problem. It is about your finances. It is about your, your wealth and your inheritance, and that is a worldly thing. But Jesus is talking about the kingdom and what you will inherit for all eternity and about a relationship with God. And Jesus says, look, I am more about this. I'm not going to handle this. It says something about that separation. It also teaches us that just because we are a follower of Jesus, sometimes we have this assumption that he's on our side. Right? You've had disagreements. You've had problems with people at work. But you're a Christian, so God's on your side. Jesus here suggests that, that that might not be the case. That there are worldly issues and there are kingdom issues, and this is not one of the kingdom issues. And God's not taking sides, not even yours. Hmm. That's a harsh thing to hear, especially for someone who goes out of his way to find Jesus, to interrupt him, to solve a problem. But that in and of itself might have been the problem. He was too concerned with what he wanted than he was with the word of God. Jesus was teaching on the kingdom and he wanted to talk about his inheritance. He was more concerned with his wealth than he was the word. Jesus then does something interesting. He says, then he said to them, now that's significant because his conversation with the man is now over with. He only had one sentence to deal with this man. I feel for him. Man, I wasn't appointed judge. I'm not going to be. And then he literally turns and he faces the crowd. 
He says, watch out. He's now talking to his disciples, to others. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I mean, the suggestion is, is don't be like this guy. That's harsh. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Be careful. Watch out. Be on guard. Protect yourself. Do not get caught up in this idea that having more is going to solve your problems. That getting that possession is going to make your life better. And then he tells a parable. So he tells the crowd, and to you and I, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. It's the picture of a rich man who owned a farm. Maybe he was the farmer. Maybe he just owned it. And the, everything was so abundant that year that he had so much stuff. He, did, he didn't have a place to store it. There wasn't storage units like there is everywhere around us here. He said, what am I going to do with all of this stuff? And he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. The word plenty is the, in the Greek poly, meaning many. We get our word polyester from that. Many different textiles, right? It's interesting. When you study scripture, one of the things you look for is the wording. If you're ever reading a passage, you'll pick up on different things. There are a lot of personal pronouns in these two verses. Read it again with me. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus. And I'll say to myself, and he's talking to himself, so you have plenty of grain, right? Several times, it's all about him. The one thing that's missing, God. This man doesn't even consider what God might have to do with all of his stuff, all of his possessions. I think that's fascinating. And Jesus is, of course, teaching this parable. There is a, there is a French painter, Eugene Bernard, who painted this or drew this, and it's a picture of that rich man in this passage. And you can see the... the silver and gold that he's counted and separated and put on the shelf, the things that he doesn't even need to use right now. And, and he's counting out what, he's, what he needs in order to build the new barns. And he's kind of paused and he's got this contemplative look as he's looking off in the distance and he's thinking and he's picturing, what is that new barn going to look like? How I'm going to store all of my materials? And what is my life going to be like? Eat, drink, be merry. I'm going to enjoy all that I have. And yet, he seems to have left something out. But he's not alone. What is that picture? What is that picture for you? What is that thing, that possession that you look off to and go, oh, if I only had, right? Those of you who are young adults, you're, 
you're working on getting your degree. Oh, if I, when I only get my degree, then I'll be able to, to get a job that I'll be happy with for the rest of my life. The people who are laughing are older ones. Because you know, that picture isn't exactly realistic. Maybe it's the new car, the new house, the new relationship. What is that picture for you? Where it's eat, drink, be merry. I have everything I need and it's all put together. That's a picture that Jesus painted of this man. Is it the IRA stored up for your future? But what the rich man didn't take into account was a relationship with God. So God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? The word fool means to not have, under, not have understanding. There's a couple of different words for fool in the New Testament. Some of them are pretty harsh. This one just simply means he's forgotten. He's forgotten God in this process. And so his life is taken. Eugene Bernard paints this picture for us of the man who in one moment is thinking about his future and the next it is gone. And then Jesus says, this is how it will be for with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. There's nothing evil about wealth. Job was one of the wealthiest people in the Old Testament, but he was righteous. It was one of the reasons why God allowed him to be tested by Satan in the Old Testament is because he had so much, and yet he was righteous. Abraham, who is the father of all the Hebrew nation, right, all of Israel, those of you who remember singing in church as you were children, if you were in church, Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them, right? Abraham was rich. He had so many servants that, uh, that they would take on armies from other countries and win. And yet he was righteous. King Solomon was the wisest king that ever lived, the scripture says. And he had so much wealth. They suggest that if you were to take what he owned and bring it into our currency today, he'd be worth $2.1 trillion. And yet Solomon was blessed by God. It is not having the possessions... It's about forgetting God when you have them. It's leaving him out. It's idolizing these possessions, thinking they're going to serve, solve your problems or your issues. But it's leaving God out of the picture and not asking the question, God, what would you have me do with this? The rich man he could have said, God, I have this surplus. How can I use this? For you? Would it be to feed the poor? Would it be to help with these children? Would it be to meet the needs in the community? Would it be to provide a new well? Would it be for. We, we won't know. He would never know because he never asked the question. We leave God out of the picture. Jesus says this is what happens to all of us who are not rich toward God. The word toward means to set a goal, to be moving towards something. And when you are doing that and you have God in sight, you are constantly asking, God, what would you have me do today? What is my next step? Jesus says the best thing we can be is rich toward him. Later in the chapter, verse 34, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If God is at the center of, 
If God is your treasure, if he is the one you are seeking, your heart will follow. If it's your possessions, your heart will move in that direction. And Jesus challenges us to move in the direction to be rich toward God. I don't think it's what you own, but it's who owns you. It's not what you own, it's who owns you. Because if you are owned by God, if you are his, and we sang songs about that this morning, that I am his child, that I am his, that he is mine, if that is true, then the things in our lives that we have, the possessions that we have, are his as well, because he owns us. We are the stewards of those things. I'm not suggesting that we quit our jobs or stop, stop striving to meet our needs, but that we do so with the intent of God at the center of all of it. Our young adults are still working towards the degree, but what would it look like to use that degree for the kingdom of God? What would it look like to influence the church down the road? For those of us who are saving up for retirement, what is it going to look like for the next generation? We, we have all those plans in place, don't we? This percentage is going to go to this person, and this percentage is going to go to this person, and this is going to provide here. Has God been a part of any of that conversation? That's a question for you. Are you a fool who has just ignored that part, or are you including God to say, God, you've given me all this. What would you have me do with what I possess? And for those of us who have possessions today, how are we using them for the kingdom of God? Are we using our vehicles to help the elderly with transportation where we can? Are our homes that we have, we're, we're bringing in groups to meet, to study scripture, to pray together, or to house people who need help? Whatever that might be. If your heart is to seek God in his word, you allow him to have control over those possessions for the kingdom. Otherwise, who's going to have them when you're gone? Jesus says. Several years ago in the late 80s, uh, we had a family who was a part of All Shores. Ron and Barb Dawson. And Ron understood this. So Bob, Ron and Barb both understood this. And they felt led by God to sell everything that they had here and to go to Russia because the doors had been opened. And they sold everything and they went to Russia. And while they were there, they started youth camps. And during those seasons of youth camps, there was a young man in college named Jason who, who went and was influenced by that, spent more than six months with Ron and told me just the other day that those six months were integral. He grew more in his faith, grew more in his relationship with God than he had growing up in the church before and out of that influence, he was called to the mission field. And now he and his wife serve in the Czech Republic. Ron passed away while he was in Russia. He gave his life. But his legacy lives on. That influence, that inheritance that he left behind lives on. Because now Jason and Carenza are in Europe. And they're overseeing all of our missionaries throughout Europe. All of our national pastors. All of our international churches in that area. They've been there for almost 20 years. They happen to be here today, which is why I bring up the story. Because now they're leading some of the missionaries who have also left from our church. The Steinharts, the Paraventis who are in Europe. 
people that we know, that we love, that we care for, and it all started because someone said, God, what would you have me do with what I have? And I'm not saying that that's extreme for us, that all of us, that's what we do. But man, seeing the difference and seeing the influence on the kingdom because he simply asked that question. That's what I'm asking you today. What is that next step? Have you included God with what you have? Are you leaving him out of the picture? I don't know what that next step is for you. Maybe it's to become more trusting in God. Maybe it's to become more generous with what you have. Maybe it's to make a decision. Right now you would say, I don't think God really owns me or all of me. Maybe it's a decision to surrender and say, I give my life to Christ because what I'm doing right now isn't working. He can do that. And it will make a world of difference for you and for others. There is a prayer that I pray every day. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't like it. And you'll understand in a minute why. In my head, I don't like it. Because I know what it means. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a covenant prayer. But I pray it every day because I want it to change my heart. John and Charles Wesley wrote this prayer, and we're going to say it together. I'm going to ask you to read this with me. This is going to be our prayer today. And it's a prayer of surrender that I think is tied into this series. Read this together with me. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with who you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Lord, that is our prayer this morning that we would surrender ourselves and all that we have to be used by you in your kingdom. It's not what we own, but who owns us. And Lord, I pray that each and every day we would be reminded to surrender that which we have been given and to give it to you, to say, how would you have me use this for the kingdom? Lord, that we would not be foolish and ignorant and leave you out but that we would see the fruit and the blessing of what it means to give you what we have and who we are. In your name, amen. We're going to close out the, uh, the service today with taking communion. And if you're a guest with us, and we have some today with dedication, uh, you don't have to be a part of All Shores. You don't have to be a part of the Wesleyan denomination. Um, we simply believe that if you are pursuing if you are moving toward God, as we just talked about, and you are seeking him, and you are trusting him with your life, then you trust that Jesus Christ is the one who has taken care of your greatest need, that is sin, in your life. 
And communion reminds us that we are his and that he is ours. And so we encourage you, if you are moving towards Christ, that you take communion together with us. It is an open table. When you came into the service, you received a little cup, and there are two layers. The top layer, you peel back, and there is a wafer. The second layer is for the juice. And we're going to partake in just a few moments together. But we want to prepare our hearts again to just receive these elements. And so we're going to worship together before we receive these. So I'm going to ask us all to stand as we worship together. If you'll take that cup that you received, scriptures tell us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples. It was Passover, a celebration of God delivering his people out of Egypt. And he took the bread, which was unleavened, being in the rush that they were to get out of Egypt of God's deliverance. They didn't have time to raise the bread and have yeast, but it was representing the fact that there was no sin without leaven. 
And Jesus himself was without sin. So he said to his disciples, he broke it and gave thanks and said, this is my body given for you. Let us take in remembrance. And then taking the cup, which represented the blood of the lamb that was over the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over any sin in their lives, that they would be delivered and have new life. Jesus says, oh, this isn't the blood of the lamb. This is or a lamb. It's my blood shed for you, that you might be forgiven, that you might have new life, that you might have the promise of eternal life. Let us take and drink in remembrance. Lord, now we pray your blessing over these elements as we are reminded again of what Jesus has done for us, that he belongs to us and that we belong to him. So God, bless us now, we pray, as we continue in worship. Amen. Come, my soul, don't you get shy on me and lift up your soul. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul, oh, don't you get shy on me and lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. We're going to see that one more time. Sing it out now. Oh, come on, my soul, oh, don't you get shy on me and lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. the best we can give them is all we have, all that we are. Simply, Lord, here I am. If you have a question or you want to talk more about what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to know that he is yours and you are his, I would love to talk to you after the service. I'll be right down front for a little bit. I also want to remind you that, uh, that McFredericks are here this morning and they're going to be out in the lobby. We have a global area. There's a map on the, 
window out there so you won't miss it, but they would love to chat with you after the service, tell you what's going on in Europe. And then I want to invite you to come back next week as we continue this series into the fall. Why don't you open up your hands and I'll give a blessing. And now may you continually being filled with his spirit. Know the joy of being his. And may this week you know the joy that all you have is his for his bidding and his doing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week.